Shortly after their dad dropped them off in the morning, they logged on while enjoying a breakfast of s'mores Pop-Tarts, no judgment please, Rice Krispies, or Grampy's specialty, porridge. Hi there, I'm Rosie, and welcome to my podcast, What Does Your Family Look Like? If you are a first-time listener, welcome. And if you are a returning listener, then welcome back. I appreciate all of you. Today's episode, I would like to describe to you how we dodged and weaved our way through virtual schooling in our home with our granddaughters. What a decade that virtual school year was. I don't know what your virtual schooling looked like, but this is what ours looked like. It was like venturing beyond the limits of human comprehension. We had the hardware, but the unknown was the software how the children would cope, and what our roles would look like, to name a few. Maintaining a sense of humor was vital. The fact that they had us to help them was a huge benefit, one for which their parents were extremely grateful. Turns out, it was the cure I needed for what had been ailing me through the years. Would this life-altering effect on me and how I saw my role in the family be temporary or permanent. As summer break was drawing to a close, talk of virtual school was on the rise. What would it look like? How would it work for the youngest one starting second grade and the sixth grader entering middle school? It was decided that we would have the girls come here to do their schooling. I would help the younger one while the older one would work independently with minimal help. Needless to say, it took a while for all of us to adapt to virtual school. How much assistance would the sixth grader need? Would she be able to stay focused? If she has a question or needs assistance, will she know how to access her teachers? Does she understand the platform? This was not how her entry into middle school was supposed to look. Plus, Neither the students nor the parents were prepared for distance learning, as there was no time for practice sessions. It was a huge challenge, but one to which they eventually adapted, not without some stress and tears. So how did it actually work? Our home needed a little reinventing, We needed to create some sort of academic environment, so our dining room naturally became a sixth-grade classroom. She sat at the head of the table, looking like a CEO. Our basement acted as a second-grade classroom. No distractions there, of course. Just enough space calling to her to do a series of cartwheels whenever the mood struck. Shortly after their dad dropped them off in the morning, they logged on while enjoying a breakfast of s'mores Pop-Tarts, no judgment please, Rice Krispies, or Grampy's specialty, porridge. One of the biggest challenges was being present for the older one, as it was difficult to gauge how much help she needed. My husband would periodically check on her, as I did when I could get away from the younger child. 
Our 12-year-old was at the age where she needed to exert her independence, but at what cost? Eventually, we got into the swing of things. She started to reach out when she needed help. Sometimes Grampy was the one to help, depending on the subject, and other times I was. It was a total joy to spend one-on-one time with her and her studies. Little did I know how much of my presence and assistance the second grader would need. Attending to a screen for video games was a heck of a lot more exciting than attending to a teacher. There were so many adaptations these children had to make, some of which had nothing to do with actual education, but were technical in nature, such as clicking the hand-raising button to participate instead of actually raising your hand, remembering to turn off the hand-raising button so the teacher knows not to call upon you, turning the mute button on and off when appropriate, and how to save and submit a file. It took so much time away from learning in the beginning. Chromebooks and Wi-Fi and mute buttons, oh my! Experts had recommended that students in third grade and younger have an assistant with them to enhance the educational experience. I don't know how any young child could have kept up without help. We were so lucky we had the time, space, a stable internet connection, and energy to tackle this challenge. I can't overstate that enough. Once we tackled the technical side, the actual educational side was allowed to flourish. I have to credit her second grade teacher. She literally jumped off the screen with enthusiasm and dedication, sparking their desire to learn under these unprecedented conditions. The students loved her, as did I. I loved having the children here. There was no question about it. Was it hard work and frustrating at times? Yes, of course, but the positive aspects far outweighed the negative. For one thing, the older sister was suddenly eager to help out her younger sister. That had not always been the case, as you can imagine, with sibling rivalry— the inability during COVID to interact with friends, and her own frustration with school. She would pop downstairs and ask if we needed any help. Were we okay? It was so sweet. And when I desperately needed her technical expertise, she always came through. As far as our second grader was concerned, I loved watching her learn, gaining confidence along the way. Language arts was one of her favorite subjects. Watching her tackle the fundamentals of writing and applying these skills were thrilling. I couldn't believe how advanced second grade was. I learned a few things myself. And some of her social studies projects required my help. Collaborating was a priceless experience. On the flip side, at 2.10 every afternoon was math. You could hear a collective sigh, followed by some tense voices. I didn't learn math like they do now. Here I am, 65, Medicare age, and I can't understand how to add two-digit numbers. They get all zen about it. What do the numbers mean? Ooh, they're just numbers. Add them. 
I have to admit it was nerve-wracking balancing how much to let her do on her own and how much to intervene. Feeling responsible for her day-to-day education was overwhelming at times. When she felt I was being too overly involved, she would tell me politely to back off, and I would. I had to let her make mistakes. How else would she learn, right? Well, that all lasted until April 2021, when the state of Maryland decided to bring the students back. The kids were so excited to get into the classroom and see their friends and teachers live and in person. The masks didn't bother them, nor did the social distancing. They were just eager to rejoin the world. For us, we had a reprieve from the daily responsibilities of their education and some free time to ourselves. Did I miss them? Yes, of course, but I knew they were where they needed to be. It was painful watching them miss their friends, the lack of social interaction other than family. What I realized, after having time to reflect, was how fulfilling the past year was and what an important and vital role I played in the family. I was an integral part of their education for the 2020 through 2021 school year in the midst of a world fraught with fear, confusion, and the unknown. And I found new ways to engage with my grandchildren who live far away through FaceTime and facilitated their connection to their cousins here in Baltimore. They found they could enjoy each other's company through video chats and playing video games together. It was important to me that the relationship between these four grandchildren stay intact throughout the pandemic. I no longer felt the lack of earlier years, the self-judgment of not being a mother to my own children. I had shed the layers of that onion, the feelings of guilt, of not feeling like a complete woman, or that something was missing. The hole in my heart was gone. And the pandemic, as crazy as it sounds, provided the outlet for me to thrive and shed the pain. The effect it had on me in relationship to how I viewed myself as a stepmother and a grandmother was emancipating. I no longer saw myself just as a woman without biological children. Now, I am a woman who is free from old social limitations and customs. It was transformative. The weight was lifted. I felt lighter. And if once in a while I misstep and fall back on those old stirrings of inadequacy, I remind myself that you make a life out of what you have, not what you're missing. Thank you for listening. If you love this episode, please drop us a five-star rating and leave a review. If you want the inside scoop, follow us on WDYFLL, the podcast. Please join us next Wednesday for more in-depth discussions about what families look like.